Episode of Sean Eds do baseball. Part two of the Eric Shaw episode. I'm Sean and I'm Eds, and we are bringing you some baseball history. That's right. We're bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher doesn't know what the story pitcher is going to be throwing them. But today, but I, yeah, I do know today. Actually, I did receive the sign. You received the sign. <laughs> you yeah. know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. I guess I gave you the sign. Not really, but anyway, bad analogy. No, it's actually great because Eric Shaw, pitcher that we're talking about today, also was the type of person that would decide to throw a different pitch halfway through his windup. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> his teammates didn't like that. I'd, I would imagine not. Yes, before we get going, though, follow us on the Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. What's our TikTok, Edzie? At Doing Baseball. At Doing Baseball. That's amazing. I'm at Sean Do Baseball. And I'm at Ed's Do Baseball, also on Twitter. Yeah. That's that's the that's the socials. Give us a follow. Give us a give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd appreciate it very much. And yep. if you're go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and if you're listening to this and you haven't heard part one of the Eric Shaw episode, please do. Yeah, go back and listen because uh, it's a it's an interesting story, and yeah. I imagine it provides a lot of context to the story <laughs> that we are about to hear right now. Absolutely, <laughs> we're going to jump into it. So we'll try to give you a little bit of a brief recount uh if it's it's probably been a couple weeks unless you're listening to this and you're binging it which is awesome or you're coming home from vietnam and your name's ryan edwards <laughs> hi edzy hello <laughs> <laughs> <I love> myself <laughs> you just said hi to yourself yeah. i feel like that's maybe something eric chow did at some point <laughs> you'll see um so um yeah i haven't done a two-parter since the uh, all girls baseball league i believe uh so to give you a synopsis, because I didn't really write one, <laughs> of episode one, Eric Shaw was basically destined to be a baseball player because his dad was an abusive had, asshole had, that had, told him he was going to be a baseball say, player. His dad only had one plan for him, and that's what it was. Yeah, so he's he's a pitcher. He's also a great musician, very bright young man. Gets drafted uh, after, after going to university, meets a wife that, you know, really... You know, it straightens him out, uh, but he also gets mixed up into some very right-wing beliefs. Well, we could call him a seeker, because he was, like, seeking answers yeah. for, you know, answers to the ways of the universe or whatever, and he ends up... Uh, you, you mentioned that he studied a bit of, like, Buddhism and, and Judaism. Other Judaism, other religions, but ends up a born-again Christian. That's right. Yeah. So, despite all this, he's very negative when it comes to baseball, and... What happened at the end of 1984 with him por performing poorly in the playoffs and where we find him right now uh, as he had sat down on the mound during Pete Rose's ceremony, uh, which caused much more controversy than one would think, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even fists to fly. Um, despite that, and despite Pete Rose, Shaw had, had put together a beautiful 1985 season with a 3.09 ERA over 233 innings pitched. Mm, not so bad. But he was not happy. He's yeah. not yeah, happy. Okay. Yeah. Very negative. And that offseason, he, he takes a big step in maturity, and he decides to confront his father. 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, tough task by the sounds of things. Yeah, and it sounds like it didn't go through well. So there apparently there's you know tears and yelling. Uh, according to his sisters, Les didn't take responsibility for any of the abuse uh, on the ball field or off. And uh, Eric uh, became frustrated and You left. turned out fine. Yeah, what? you got a great life. <laughs> <laughs> so, once again, uh, Tom Friend's ESPN article from 2010, uh, lots, of, lots of background on this. So, uh, Karamia, his wife, uh, was quoted later saying, he probably wanted his dad to grab him around the shoulders and hug him and say, Eric, I'm sorry I hurt you and abused you growing up. I want you to know that I love you, and please forgive me for how I've hurt you. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. No, it did not. But that's all. It sounds like he loves his father still, even with all the abuse, and just wants that reconciliation. Yeah. And his father is just won't give it to him. Mm-hmm. Only thing he cares about is baseball. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, that would never happen. His father was living his dream of having a major league son, but still offered little in terms of warmth to Eric. Still, Eric would love and care for his dad right up until the end. In 1986, uh, it was a good year for Xiao on the field, but it was shortened due to injury. Uh, Xiao won nine games and posted an impressive 2.97 ERA over just 136 innings. So, it's a good half season, that's for sure. Um, In 1987... This is when things begin to spiral even worse mentally for Eric Shaw. His fellow Pep Boys were both traded by midseason. Shaw didn't seem to have an ally left on the team, and things turned ugly on July 7th in Chicago at Wrigley Field. So, okay, so he's like super alienated at this point. Yeah. It's like basically feels like he's on a deserted island. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's not getting any love from his father. He you know he he like he seems to love the game but he hates himself playing it mm-hmm. it's it's well, a, i imagine it has a lot of pain attached to it based <laughs> on what his growing up like was like attached to the game you know yes it's affiliated I, with nothing but negative exactly like he's you know he's good at it and i'm sure he enjoys being good at it and enjoys the game in general but you know, having that upbringing attached to it probably, like I say, brings up a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. So, and this doesn't help. Uh, so, Shao gave up a homer in the first inning to Andre Dawson. Uh, the Hawk was crushing the Padres that year. Um, mm-hmm. he, he had homered earlier in the series. Did he win MVP that year, I, I think, think so. Yeah, he was such a big, big guy. And that's probably why what happened next is became so huge. Um He'd even homered earlier in the year uh, off Shao to knock him out of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, once again, the Cubs. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Yeah, yeah. Everything comes back to the Cubs with Eric Shao. Uh, in the top of the third inning, Dawson stepped to the plate, and Shao decided to knock him off the plate with a fastball. Okay. That's my plate. Yeah. The pitch ran up and in. Dawson fell backwards to avoid the ball, but Shao had uh, had strong, in, er, strong arm side action, and it just kept tailing inside. It smashed into Dawson's face. Oh. Yeah. And he laid on the ground, blood coming out of his face. Yeah. Um, on purpose or not, Dawson was laid, laying curled up at home plate bleeding, and it was fucking on. Mm-hmm. So, Rick Sutcliffe, who is six foot seven. Big, big man. <laughs> big man. 
fellow, or fellow, I should say fellow pitcher, he pitches for the Cubs. Yeah. Just comes charging at Shao from out of the Cubs dugout. Mm-hmm. Um, so, once again, no matter if he did it on purpose or not, bad look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, he comes charging out. Sutcliffe lunged at Shao, who avoids him. And I think John Cruck grabs Sutcliffe there. Mm-hmm. And... But two cubs come in and they tackle Shao and there's this big freaking you know it's just a big kerfuffle. Yeah, yeah. So every there's a big pile on Sutcliffe's taken down, uh, and once things seem to calm down a little bit, Shao you know manages to get out of the pile. Everybody just seems to go towards home plate, and even Sutcliffe you can see is like getting down and Dawson's lying on the plate like still yeah, not bleeding out yeah <laughs> and and Sutcliffe's like hey man are you all right like he's, he goes from like wanting to kill him to like coming to his friend's aid mm-hmm. um so uh after a minute or two Dawson seemed to be okay and like managed to get himself up um and he's like gets to his feet really quick and fucking just goes. So he <laughs> gets up and he just jumps up and just starts looking for Shao to kill him. Mm-hmm. So at this point, all the kerfuffle had calmed down and Shao was out by second base almost. Um, so he's covered in blood. He's running through these people, pushing them aside, <laughs> trying to get at Shao. Um, so, and Sutcliffe's like, yeah, let's go. And Sutcliffe's yeah. back. Sutcliffe's running. Sutcliffe's trying <laughs> to get him now too again. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, everybody's going, uh, uh, Gavin Sisko, uh, it was holding back Sutcliffe and, and, and Shao was, was able to retreat. Umpire Charlie Williams came to Shao's aid and escorted Eric off the field. Even as Dawson attempted to get at him as he was in the dugout. So, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shao was shaken up. Mm-hmm. He did, I mean, he says he did not mean to do that. You know, he meant to back him off the plate, but he did not mean to hit him in the face. Dawson needed like 21 stitches. It was, wow. And plastic surgery. Like, Holy it was, fuck, he like really tagged him. Man. He, it's, you can see it on YouTube. You can watch okay. the whole thing on I'll YouTube. Check it out later. Yeah, and you can watch, and you can hear Dawson's reaction to it too uh, in interviews later on and he does not really he forgive. didn't take kindly to it no okay. no i mean well he, and he hey, held a grudge for a while i should say he he does say he does forgive but he will not forget okay um i think that was his quote but yeah he's done so shell promptly writes an apology letter to dawson and just be like i am so sorry i did not mean to do that um but today you just text him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he he still maintains it. He thought it was intentional, and of course, because of from episode one with the John Birch Society, many people started to insinuate that the beaming was racially motivated. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a stretch, but I can see where they're. Well, once again, the bed you make right oh his, yeah his affiliation with that group is is you know it's tagged to him now no matter if he distances oh, sure. himself no, or no, not no no doubt it's just like it's kind of you know it's kind of easy to poke holes in that theory a little bit because it's like why would he only hit andre dawson then 
Well, exactly, and that's and some of his friends and teammates are like, "Look, like, there's guys that are headhunters. He's not a headhunter. Mm-hmm. Like this, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a habit of this. Like this is, yeah. like, but it was bad. Dawson hit a home run off of him early in the season. Oh yeah, Dawson no, had just still, hit a home run off him in his last at bat. Like it's, it's still a bad look. Like yeah. it definitely looks like he was pissed at Dawson and was like, "Fuck this guy," but yeah. but not like. Not racially motivated, no, per se. No, no, exactly. Yeah, once again, even if he meant to hit him, like, who... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but once again, it's... it's You are what you eat. Yeah. So... <laughs> it also doesn't necessarily mean that he's not racist, though. No. And, <laughs> and yeah. So, anyways. Um, so, he reads the apology letter, but he doesn't really accept the apology. Um, people, once again, use it against him, and he starts getting death threats. Um, so, he has to move hotels and uh okay yeah yeah so his teammates stand up to for him again being like no like you know he's not racist but you mm-hmm. know it's once again your second time your teammates have to say that man uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but i know it's kind of dumb but anyway so um his teammates were also pissed at him though too because what ensued after he got ejected from the game and everything like that like they had more bench clearing events mm-hmm. and once again that game could be just like the bean brawl games like it, it's like one of those games that tony gwen gets three fastballs thrown behind his back yeah so like it's like it's hot it's, a it's hot, hot game. Yeah. and some people are like thanks eric <laughs> like, <laughs> like i got balls thrown at me because and i had to fucking get punched in the face because of you so once mm-hmm. again and he doesn't he doesn't give a lot to his teammates so he doesn't you know he's an easy target right Um, easy scapegoat yeah um so he's receiving death threats um so xiao's sinking now he's really really whoa uh he does not like at least the baseball aspect of his life by the sounds of it his wife karamia flew and met him in pittsburgh which was the next series right after the cubs and she knew she was just like oh fuck like he's gonna be like he's gonna be miserable (laughs) yeah and yeah. he was as low as any good buddy could be. He finished 1987 with an eight and 16 record, the most losses of his career, and that like mattered back then. Yeah. So, didn't matter if the Padres were shit, right? Mm-hmm. Still, you want to be that guy. You're like I'm a 15 game winner in the major leagues. I've done it, you know, back to back years and yeah. won eight games in a half season. So yeah, no one even knows what WHIP is yeah. or like anything <laughs> like that. Right? Yeah, and by all accounts, he was a good pitcher. Honestly, nowadays, he'd probably, you know, at the time, I think he was just, you know, Padres brought in uh, an ace, actually, after the 84 season. I forget his name. Uh, Padres fans should be mad at me. Um, but, you know, Chow was just, probably, he'd probably be a solid number two, number three nowadays. Okay. Like, yeah. that with just with his, his ERA was like three to four most uh-huh. years, right? And that's good. That's very good, yeah. especially back then, a guy that can throw like 230, 240 innings. Uh-huh. Um, but that, you know, it's not long. So now we're getting into 1988. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so this is a great line. Uh, 1988, <laughs> not only the year that me and Eds were born, <laughs> but most likely the first year Eric Shaw used amphetamines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so things aren't related. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. But you know, just dating us. Um, so no one is a hundred percent certain on the timeline. But during the nineteen eighty eight ceiling, dealing with an ailing back and a desire to escape, Shao tried fasting, otherwise known as a greenie. So you've uh, heard of greenies, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Eh, no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. We'll definitely, we should do a drugs episode of Sean Knight's Do Baseball. Man, that'd be like, so it would be a series. A yeah. drug series. <laughs> <laughs> if we could do it. I mean, yeah. Well, let's not d- discuss pre-production right now. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and wouldn't you know it, the drugs worked. <laughs> of course. Short term kits. Yeah. Short term short term successes when you when you use drugs. Uh long <laughs> long term as you will find out. Uh and I should probably say things get dark. So if anybody's dealing with addiction or or is is super uh uh, feeling vulnerable right now to that, you might want to turn this one off here. Um, so Eric rebounded with a career uh, year. He pitched 234-plus innings uh, and 16 wins with a 3.26 ERA. So really good, nice. solid year. And holy shit, the Shao Show was back. There we go. <laughs> the Shao Show. Yes, but hold up, because Shao was putting great numbers up on the field, but off the field, he was starting to act sketchy, staying up all night. He then began to counter this effect by drinking more beer to go to sleep. So he's, like, taking over the counter speed pills, basically, yeah, to, like, get through baseball and his back hurting. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's pounding beers at the at afterwards the yeah. to go to bed. Well, a, as you would. Yeah, exactly. Nothing, nothing going on gotta here. Got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he also was pouring himself into his music at this time, which is still like a great escape for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even actually look it up. I didn't have time. Just how long this really one ended got up being. into the Seattle scene. Yeah, he he would release a record American four four to go uh, the next year, and it. Sometimes his wife would have to prompt him to put his guitar down so he wouldn't be late for baseball games. So he's like really kind of coming disinterested with baseball. Yeah, if you feel like he's torn between two different careers here now. Yeah, and he's a really good jazz guitar player. And I didn't look up this American 4-4 to go album like I did with the Lenny Randall stuff, and I probably should have, but, you know, you can find it, maybe. You don't need to look right now. Check it as you're telling me the story. Well, I mean, you can keep doing that, and I can keep just, like, talking like this, like yeah, I'm filling it. space before no, no, I continue the with the script. No, no, tell me. Tell you the story. So once the season started, uh, this is 1989, things started to go overboard. Eric was becoming unreliable, and teammates were having strange encounters with him in weird parts of town and stuff. And on May 11th that year, Shao didn't show up until 25 minutes before a start in St. Louis and got shelled over two innings. His back didn't hurt because of the drugs, but because of all the damage he'd still caused, because you couldn't feel his back, mm. he still was doing damage to it. He yeah. had to have surgery halfway through the 89th season, which he couldn't finish, uh, but he had a eight and six record with a four point two three ERA over sixteen starts. Okay. Yeah. Still not so bad. Not so bad. Uh, but he needs back surgery, so his back is only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the surgery, Eric decided he needed more drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, yep. Let's let's figure this one out, Eric. So he contacted his sister Cindy herself a speed addict who had also endured the torturous upbringing with their father Les. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just Eric who had problems. Problems. Yeah. Uh, so he takes his sister for lunch. 
Uh, and he's like, hey, do you know where to get stuff like Desoxin and Prelude and Fastin? Because I guess it's the off season and he can't get it, yeah. you know, from the team doctor or whatever. Uh, and since the drugs needed prescriptions, his sister was like, no, bro. But have you tried crystal meth? <laughs> have you tried this thing called crank? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Eric tried crystal meth. All right. And then Eric decided... He I've was, heard Lenny Dykstra has that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's around this time. Um, I know. <laughs> so then he decides he's going to use all the crystal meth. In America? Uh, by the sounds of it. <laughs> okay. So once again, a quote from his sister uh, from the ESPN article. Eric got addicted very fast. I mean, he was using massive amounts from the very beginning. Holy fuck. I'd get him about a tight, month. Tight, tight, <laughs> I'd get him about a month's worth at least. But he'd call back the next week and go, I accidentally flushed it down the toilet. Or I accidentally went down the drain. I'm like, Eric, I don't know. And he's like, I really, really need it. I swear to God. I swear to God. So I'd get him more. So That's convincing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not great. I swear to God I need more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's just, like, I find it interesting. Like, he's just, it's like a switch has just turned in him. Mm-hmm. Right? He's just found drugs yeah <laughs> and he's just like now, wow yeah he's found that endorphin rush yeah and it's a big rush yeah okay so um fuck man yeah he's going into the 1990 season eric was on the mend and on the meth nearing an absolutely amazing milestone he was just six wins away from 100 career wins not only that, but he already held the record for most wins by a Padres pitcher ever. Wow. A, a record. I mean, I know they hadn't been around for very long, but still. He still holds that record Holy to this shit. day. Wow. Yes. So, Eric's, Matthew, Eric's Matthews continued throughout the season. His sister was often using with him, and honestly... She sounds very responsible compared to Eric when it comes to drug use. (laughs) Okay. Is that saying much? Well, from the ESPN article, she would say, I said, you have to eat. This stuff will make you not want to eat. You're an athlete. You need energy. But he'd go, yeah, yeah. He'd just go out and pitch on it. (laughs) Be like, ah, just smoke some of it before I go out. Exactly. Like, fucked up. Like, man. And she's crazy. just like, you're an athlete. She was like, okay, like, stop, like, 48 hours ahead of, like, your games because you're a pitcher and you pitch, like, five, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's no, cool. It's cool. And she was like, no, no, like, you should really listen to me. I know this drug. Yeah. You need to not do, you need to eat. Like, you need to, it's going to make you not feel, you should. And, yeah, it's not. You'll gonna, die. You'll yeah. die. No, I won't die. Yeah, exactly. I'm a class athlete. Exactly. Um, so, as we've learned through. I don't care if I die. Yeah, as we've <laughs> learned throughout baseball history, drug-wise, a little bit of speed works. LSD might lead to a no-hitter. And taking a huge amount of crystal meth before pitching in front of a stadium full of thousands of people may have some adverse effects. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, an old high school teammate <clears throat> was met Shaw, and Shaw told him that he was being tormented regularly by demons that would sit in the sands and hiss and scream at him. On the field? Yeah. Oh, man. So he'd be pitching. He's paranoid as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So how do you think he started that season? 
Well, not good. Yeah, well, you'd be right. scared out there every time he goes out in the mound. Yeah, he's one and eight to start the year in. Everyone's like... Fucking tremors out there, man. Yeah, his ERA (laughs) is huge. He's absolutely... Something's going on. Padres fans began to boo him. Uh, He's criticized by his teammates. Uh, He starts fighting with Padres pitching coach Pat Dobson. And... The Padres have enough, and they're like, fuck it, we're trading this guy. I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, he's our leader in everything pitching-wise at this point. Franchise pitcher. Yeah. Um, But nobody wants him. No, everything. he's so fucked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's had a rough go, but he's all fucked right now. Yeah. Okay. So he's removed from the starting rotation. He's given a a long-relief sixth-pitcher kind of job right uh with the padres so uh and he's still in search of that 100th win which you know it's pretty you know big milestone Mm -hmm. in game 162 of the season his last as a padre and the last of the season of course shall pitch five innings and allowed seven hits and three runs lowering his era to 5.76 and at 34 years old he had career victory number 100 Okay, there you go. Yeah, but his run with the Padres was over, and as he left the stadium that day, uh, the glory days of 1984 probably felt like 100 years in the past. Mm-hmm. What year was that, 89? No, uh, 90. 90, okay. Yeah. Um, so Xiao had put up a 187 record with a 3.59 ERA over a decade with the club. Uh, to this day, he's still the second in club history with six, 1,603 and one-third innings pitched. Hmm. Yeah. So in December, everyone's just like, nobody's going to sign this guy. He's off the deep end. Yeah, yeah. He's off the wagon. And who was really good in 1991? Or 1990, sorry. The Reds. The Reds and the A's. Oh, right, yeah, okay. And for some reason, the Oakland A's come calling. Okay. Yeah. They got a bunch of steroid dudes and whatever going on over there. Maybe we can fix them with steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to trade drugs? Yeah. Yeah. This was a drug trade. (laughs) He just met Jose Canseco in a parking lot where they were both picking up drugs. (laughs) You should play for us. Oh, God. Um, So he signs a two-year deal with the A's. It's like $1.6 million. Like, at this point, he's made millions, but he's... That's probably a pretty good deal back then. Oh, yeah. And with the Padres, he was probably making, you know, a mil a year or whatever, too, Mm -hmm. like in his later years. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't look that up. I didn't care about how much money he made. (laughs) The rest of the shit was too crazy. So, uh, Chow would pitch uh, just 51 and two-thirds innings uh, as an A... Uh, who were coming off an amazing high of 1990, as was Eric, but in a different <laughs> way. <laughs> um, yeah. They were not uh, great innings, and Shao's final as a big leaguer. So at one point, he got sent down to AAA in 91 uh, to get stretched out again as a pitcher, or as a starter, sorry, uh, and he performed well in AAA, and then he got called back up, and he performs well. But I guess the guy gets back from the DL or IL or whatever back then and, and 
you know, he's back to the bullpen. So he goes one and two. He just pitches, as I said, what was it, uh, 51 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, and his behavior's not good still. He's still being sketchy as fuck, and they're trying to help him. Um, and the next year, during spring training, Xiao's behavior became too much for the Oakland A's. Xiao went AWOL for three days, and when he showed up, he had cuts all over his hands and was <laughs> unable to pitch. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, he what was... a wild card this guy is. Really wild card at this point. Remember when he was a born-again Christian <laughs> know, that was taking I... people for dinner and, and dropping homeless people off at detox centers? Yeah, where's that guy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's really sketchy, and... and you know, he tells a friend that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and had to escape the wrong people. Uh, in reality, at least, like from what I, I did read, that the police told the team that Eric had been acting particular or peculiar near an adult bookstore, and when approached, he had tried hopping a barbed wire fence. And that's why his <laughs> hands got all fucked yeah. up. Yeah. So, um, the it's an adult bookstore, like an erotic bookstore. I guess, or a, a porno store. You've been to the U.S. They're everywhere. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> in the '80s, probably, or in the early '90s, probably even more so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, maybe. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the A's had tried to help Shao, and uh, with him even moving in, at one point he he leaves. He doesn't leave his wife, but he leaves his wife, and he moves in with the A's team chaplain. And his wife. And the chaplain speaks very highly of Xiao and just being like, no, he knows he has a problem. And he knows, like, that's why, like, he left his wife to live with us because he knew it was inappropriate. Right? Okay. So it's, once again, this, like, Christian kind of, like, right wing, like, oh, like, it's immoral what he's doing, but he's repenting for it. And he's doing his best to hide it. So, like, he's a good person. <laughs> Some great mental gymnastics Yeah, there. exactly. But, yeah, so, but they, they were. Like, the A's honestly were, were trying to do their best for him. Or else yeah. they wouldn't have signed him, probably. Okay. Um, but his baseball career is officially over. He gets released a few days later. And they're just like, what the fuck? You fucked up, man. Yeah. Um, so his marriage was failing too at this point because his wife was just like, oh, okay, well, you fucked up your baseball career now. And she doesn't care about the baseball career, but she's like, obviously cares about him. Yeah. It sounds like she really did care about him. And I give Kara Mia full credit. Full credit. Yeah. That is his wife's name. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I had said it yet in part two. Uh, so his marriage is falling apart. Uh, during the early 90s, Eric's father, Les, uh, had become ill with Alzheimer's. And Eric was still his primary caregiver to his father. So, messed up Eric and Alzheimer's less. Once again, great combination. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's resentful, messed up <laughs> Eric is taking care of his racist and fucked up Alzheimer's dad. And guess what Eric tries to do for his father? End his life. Fine, Christ, bro. Oh, God. Of course. <laughs> of course. He's trying to Could have only come one of two ways there. Either murder or... Salvation. Or salvation. Yeah. Eric is... And Eric, once again, his dad's like, ah, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit about you. Get yeah. it through your head. Yeah. I fucking hate you. You fucked up your baseball career. Yeah. You're lucky I'm not going to remember who you are. Yeah. That's really dark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. They're both not great. Um, no, that's fucked. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so he tries to get his dad to, <sighs> to, to find Christ in his, in his end years. Um, he's dismissed, and Eric was close to rock bottom. He confided in uh, Mark Augustine. Mark Augustine was was quoted in like almost every article about about Chow. He was a friend, and he was a musician. He had a, a Mark's guitar shop or something that him and Chow owned together, and I think it might even still be around. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, Eric, ends up living with him uh, after his wife kicks him out, um, and after he's released from the A's, so he's not living with the chaplain anymore. Uh, so he confides in Mark that he's bored and stuck and hated the fact he was doing drugs. And, you know, that's the problem with drugs is even if you hate it, you're addicted to it. Yeah. Anyway, so at this point, it seemed that Xiao had graduated to cocaine and heroin as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just, he's, he's mixing it all up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's starting to reach he's out. climbing the drug corporate ladder. Yeah. 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 He's... He was uh, starting to reach out for help at this point, too, to his oh, credit. That's good. That's good. And uh, he knew he was an addict, as he was saying to his friend. Around this time uh, was his first trip to rehab. That didn't work, and soon enough, Chow was using again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not good. No, it sucks. It really sucks. It sucks ass. It really does, and I wish I could say it gets like better. kind of making light of it, but like it sucks. Well, like I, I just want to. I was talking to my sure wife about that. it, yeah, and she was just like, she was like, "Well, t- give me the give me the Coles notes on the story," and I was just game. She was like, "Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> you better not be like lighthearted about that." I'm like, "No, I mean we, we will be, but probably will be, <laughs> but no, it's it's it, we're it, fucked up. It's it's a it's a tragic story as we're going to see here. So." I mean, to continue on, that's what I mean. I'm conflicted with Eric Chow because it, it's, it's, you want to root for him, but he just keeps, keeps, keeps just destroying your hopes every time. Yeah, yeah. So Chow had, uh, had known Mike McIntosh, the San Diego Police Department chaplain, for over a decade and also reached out to him uh, for spiritual help in battling his demons. And speaking of demons, Eric's hallucinations were getting worse, telling oh. friends that dragons would chase him sometimes, and therefore he started carrying a gun with him. Oh, fuck. Get the dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same gun from part one. I was just going to say, you said it would come back. <laughs> it does. I forgot. I almost didn't throw that in there. Um, so with all this behavior, uh, this Macintosh is this police chaplain, which is a strange thing. But anyways, he assigns two pastors to be with Eric 24-7. And eventually they're like, all right, we need to get him into like serious yeah. detox to rehab program. So he goes back again. Uh, he, he, Eric started scaring the shit out of Mark uh, after that. So he gets out and, and he goes back and lives with Mark. And he's just like, hey, man, there's like evil people in the attic. And Mark's like, shit. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't take. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so he eventually calls Karamia. And they take him in once again. And at this point, this, this is the same rehab place. He's been to three times. And they're like, yeah. They're like, we don't know what to do. do. <laughs> Stop bringing him here. Yeah. Try uh, somewhere else. Yeah. So they told him, they told Caribbean and Mark to drop him off at a place in downtown San Diego, which ironically was apparently a place he dropped off people himself when yeah. he was being all right. Jesus like. Right. Um, so uh, he didn't stay there, though. Mm-hmm. 
He did not stay there. Uh, he was wandering the streets screaming, Someone's trying to kill me! <laughs> <laughs> he escaped. He escaped. Uh, police arrived, and he was confrontational and told them to shoot him. So, oh, oh man, yeah, fuck, yeah, exactly. This is this is getting very Ugh. dark. Uh, yeah. He was pepper sprayed instead. Uh, okay, well, that's good, I guess. But he was absolutely <laughs> flying, so he kicks out the rear windshield of the police cruiser oh, no. <laughs> and runs away handcuffed. <laughs> but they get him. They get him. He doesn't get far. <laughs> okay. He's all handcuffed and pepper sprayed. Yeah, he's so. yeah, he's just blindly running, yeah. in, but like just kicked out the window of a like cruiser. The bastards! Yeah. They've got Man, yeah, ex- I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. This is probably like really fucked up. It's really confirming his paranoia right now. Oh god. So that's probably why police shouldn't deal with people suffering from No, yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so that's what I was kinda kinda getting at. Yeah. Why? So he he's sent to a psychiatric ward after this for a while. Uh and then to detox and rehab. Um and be all of this all of this is going on. And Chow is still working on his pitching. Well, of course. Yeah. And he's just like, I got even a new pitch. It's called, like, the cup ball or something <laughs> like that. And they were like, okay, you need to stay here for the state mandate. <laughs> You're not allowed to have a ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, so everyone's like, okay, you're being delusional about that, too. But at the same point, whatever. Um, Xiao would stay sober, but only for a short while. Um, he seemed lost before, and now his wife and friends started to see an apathy only revealed by someone who had nothing left. His friend Mark Augustine, from the LA Times this time, uh, he he was absolute... A- oh, oh, sorry. Mark Augustine, the L.A. Times. He was obviously sick. I don't know if drugs made him sick or because he was sick he used drugs. So he's Probably a little A and B. Yeah, you don't know chicken or egg, right? Yeah. Um, so usually the way it is. And this is, you know, things are bad. Yeah. So he tells his wife, uh, "You're better off if I was dead." And his wife's just like, "Yeah, yeah. that's not good." No, these are yeah, not <laughs> nice things to say. And he stops playing his guitar. Which is really not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shao's love of music had always been there. So like when his dad like beat him in the car in the first story, apparently like he came home and just like would go up and jam the Beatles the, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh yeah, he was he was really really in a bad place. Uh you know, it's just everything inside him had burned out. So he began using again and mm-hmm. in February of nineteen ninety four he returned to rehab, this time at Rancho La Brea Center in Del- Dulzura, California. Uh, he confided in the counselors there that he had felt that baseball was the culprit to so much of his unhappiness. He'd had a gift, but he'd been pushed upon him. He had made it to the majors, but was cast as the villain by the rest of the league. And it always seemed to happen to him. Like the Pete Rose and the Andre Dawson. Yeah. And- once again, that's not really taking accountability for yourself, which no, is a trait of his father. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like a why me kind of... Uh, mm-hmm. And you can kind of feel some empathy for him. Yeah, you can, because he's like, you know, that's... I mean, he sort of came by it honestly, because as you just mentioned, that's like a trait of his father, not taking responsibility for anything. But, like, you can feel bad for, you know, the fact that that's really all he, like learned right so yeah 
Yeah. And so after 30 days there, um, he can leave, mm-hmm. you know, or he can stay. And they're like, you should stay. Yeah. And his father's still alive. His father, he's he's gone and seen his father. Uh, and sometimes his father's lucid and sometimes he thinks it's like the 50s and, you know, as Alzheimer patients do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seemed to have made some sort of peace with his dad a little bit at okay. this point. That's good. Yeah. Um, so Bob Bell, who was a friend uh, and employee of the guitar store, uh, picked up Eric after Mark's keys had been stolen from the beach. Bob took Eric initially. Uh, he said he wanted to go see his father. Uh, but uh, <laughs> went into town and Bob probed Eric and what he was doing and even offered him a place to stay. He's like, so you're going to go see your dad and what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I'll just figure it out. And he's just like, oh, well, you can like come back and stay at my place. I know you just you know got out of rehab, so yeah. you know. And Eric kind was like, subtly saying, I'm gonna keep an eye on this guy. Yeah, Eric was like, no, man, I, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go see some friends. Like, you don't yeah. know him. You don't know them. Yeah. You don't just drop me off. It's school. You don't know these guys, and I'm just gonna, I'll see my dad, and then I'll go hang out with these friends that you don't know. Yeah, you go do <laughs> addict things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Xiao went on a fucking... A bender. Bender. Uh, Eric ingested four $10 bags of cocaine, felt unsettled, and then ingested eight $10 bags of heroin. Is that a lot? (laughs) I honestly don't know. Jesus Christ, that's a a huge amount of drugs. That's ridiculous. I know. And he chased it all down with a six-pack of beer. Oh, man. So the next... It's a good plan. Seems like a good plan. So the next day he went to see Mark... Uh, and Mark was like, holy shit, like, takes him holy to Burger King. Fuck, man. And then takes him to Karamia, his wife. And apparently he wrote this beautiful letter to his wife. Um, but Karamia was done. And she loved him, and this was just too much. And she was just like, dude, like, you just got out. And Yeah. So she, like... And she's not doing him any favors by, like, just giving in to that yeah. behavior, too, right? So. So, yeah, she's just like, you know, I love you. But like I'm filing for divorce. Like we're not separated. Like I know you've been living elsewhere because. But like I just can't. Yeah. Um. So she calls Rancho Labry, uh, to come and pick him up, <laughs> and uh, they sent a van to come pick him up. Uh, Eric responded to his wife's news by just saying, "I know, I know. I'm just gonna give it all to God now." At some point, mm. without her noticing, he used the last of his drugs. A van arrived to take him back to rehab. Um, so they're relieved. They're like, all right, well, he's back in rehab. Mm-hmm. But at 8.23 the next morning, Eric Shaw was found dead in his room. Yeah, so he just pounded the last one he had and had a little OD there, eh? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's what? heavy duty, man. Yeah, that's I know. That's fucking... You said it was going to be sad. I know. And, and that's fucking sad. And it was a, it's a roller coaster. And, you know, mm-hmm. he died of acute morphine and, and cocaine intoxication, if you couldn't tell by the, yeah. you know, $180 worth of both drugs that he took. Yeah, yeah. The uh, four bags of cocaine and the eight yeah. bags of heroin. Yeah. Um, which is apparently a lot. Yeah. His wife had no idea, apparently, that he had done this, you know, before he had, they picked him up, you know. I believe her. <laughs> I think she's just like, I would have called an ambulance, not yeah. the fucking rehab center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so of all his teammates, 
Dave Dravecki was the only one to show up to Eric's funeral. Yeah, that's a sh- that's sad. Yeah. You didn't even get all three members of the Pep Boys back together. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, I guess. I'm <laughs> like, well, there would only be two, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one would be there in the body. Yeah. So he's buried with his guitar, a baseball, and his glove. He was 37 years old. Uh, the sad thing is, like, he's mourned... And he's mourned as more of, like, not a drug addict by all his friends and well-wishers, but, you know, more of the guy that was like, oh, you were he loved math and physics and he played music with me and, like, he encouraged well, me to go back to church and, like, all yeah, these nice things about him are being said after the fact. Because that's what truly happens. who... <laughs> well, yeah, but that's... Because that's, like, you know... I'd like to believe that that's truly who Eric Shaw actually was, right? Was, like, that good guy that wanted to help people and whatever. But, like, you know, this, like, constant need to, like, people please and, like, forget about himself, you know, caused him to go down, you know, probably a very, very dark path that, like, you know, ultimately ended in him, like, taking his own life from, you know, from drugs. Because, you know, his true reality was probably a real, real dark thing to have to face. And the fact that, like, baseball was just such a negative... Yeah, and, like, that was his livelihood, right? He couldn't... He probably couldn't escape that negative pain that we've been kind of talking about the whole episode. He, Despite the fact that that was, like, the pinnacle of his greatest achievement, and everybody probably, like, you know pinned on him that's like you should be so grateful for like what you have in this sport and he was like yeah but every time i go on the fucking mound i think about my dad being a fucking total prick to me my whole life and i'm still looking for his acceptance to this day yeah and like (laughs) me doing what you say i should be so grateful for is somehow not enough still yeah you know yeah and that's probably a terrible mental place to be oh god you know yeah, it's it's just truly sad. Like as I say, he was a flawed, flawed guy. But like, the fact that he took his flaws so hard, especially on the baseball field, it just it's just it makes him such like a tragic like. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he went from like rebellious teenager to like born again Christian to like it was like rebellious teenager in your tw- in your teens to born again Christian in your twenties to meth and heroin addict in your 30s is like such a it's just a roller coaster of emotions and like lifestyle yeah so Karamia uh to finish this off said after his death if he had been a musician he'd still be here today with gray hair well maybe I know. I, I know. Mean, that's, he, that's completely, completely. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, she knew him better than anybody. I else. was going to say, I, I think I could see the argument though, because, you know, maybe if he goes into that, uh, field and focuses primarily on that and says, you know, screw you, dad, I'm a musician, not a baseball player. Yeah. I you mean, know, that would cause a lot of, it would cause a lot of problem, but maybe at the end of the day, like maybe he finds peace with himself and then like he just you know, happily carries on as a musician. Yeah. And maybe his dad learns to love it, or maybe he just 
gets yeah. away from his dad yeah. completely. And and doesn't worry about it. But it's also funny to just assume, this guy wouldn't have done drugs if he had just become a jazz <laughs> musician. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he wouldn't have necessarily done drugs, but maybe he might not have done drugs to the point of, of uh, death. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. And his sister was obviously very broken after that too. I think she she's I think she's still around, or at least was in 2010 when that article was written. But uh-huh. a lot of L.A. Times articles on him. Uh, that ESPN article on him was was really good, and you can find a lot. I I was watching a some documentary on the '84 Padres, and it mentioned Eric Shaw and. Alan Wiggins spirited arguments and stuff like that and mm. then the, they weren't there and I was like well why aren't they there to like celebrate and then I was like oh like, <laughs> oh my god I <laughs> <laughs> need to write this down yeah yeah so honestly it was uh it was a, it was a that's a dark story like yeah. in the part one it's like a little bit more like oh yeah but like part two is just like it, it's it's yeah it's just sad it is it's a dark story but I'm like thanks for telling that story because I think it's like important to shed light on that kind of stuff if like you know if you're if you're a listener that's kind of like struggling with being a dark place or some like mental health problems like you know encourage you to Get, yeah, seek get help to seek help and talk to people you love and about it and stuff and like you know if if you want to talk to me about it i'll listen to you about it you yeah know? absolutely always open i i think that's the most important thing is is you know a who knows what could have saved eric Shaw, but in the end it was just the circumstances of his life that just mm-hmm. it it seemed to it seemed that he he felt like you know, the world was against him and just found his escape, and that was it. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's a lot of stories like that, not just in the baseball world, but, you know, at least we were able to highlight this one because it did come from the baseball world, so thanks for that. All right, well, until next time, uh, join us two weeks from now. we got another story from baseball history. Uh, season's probably chugging along. Don't know when this is coming out, so, uh, you know. Hopefully, uh, Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, until next time, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram at Doing.Baseball, TikTok at Doing Baseball. Uh, my Twitter is at Ed's Do Baseball. And I'm at Sean Do Baseball. Yes, and uh, of course, give us a rating or review if you got time to. And thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. And we were bringing you the baseball. That's right. Okay, bye. Bye.